What's up, everybody? Hello and welcome to episode number 109 of the VK Bros. With the VK Bros, Jason Alex Von Kennel on a beautiful, rainy Saturday morning here. It's uh, a little bit yeah, moist outside. Yeah, it's gross. Mm. It's gross. I thought we were done. I'm good. I'm good. Mm. Work's been very slow. Mm-hmm. I'm in need of money. So <laughs> if I've, I've got a shed full of cars and no money in the account. So yep. I need to turn those cars into some cash. Mm-hmm. So I can pay some bills. So... You, you did sell one car fairly recently, didn't you? To Quali- you. Quality vehicle? To you. No, no, the one that you sold after that. Yeah, but it's not paid for yet. So it's good, it's it's good stock, though. And utterly irrelevant. <laughs> Kia Cerato flies into stock, flies straight out of stock. Yeah, so, so tell that to the... Best quality vehicle Tell out that there. to the nicer one. We've I actually got another Kia Cerato here in stock at mm. Autobros, so if you want to check that out, autobros.com.au. Um, but I wanted to talk about something weird that happened during the week which is I didn't have a good sleep on Wednesday night. I think it was Wednesday night. Right. Mind was just racing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd had a couple of intense conversations that evening Mm -hmm. uh, that I obviously couldn't shake. I used to go to bed at 9 o'clock, so I think it was like 9.30, just sat there, wired, you know, when your brain's wired. Yep. Then... um, I've got like a, I've got melatonin, so I thought I'll take one of those melatonin. But mm-hmm. what I found the best way to use those melatonin is to is to take one and then wait for like half an hour, like do something for half an hour to let it hit you. Yep. Don't try and go straight back to bed; doesn't seem not to work, which is what I did, mm-hmm. and that didn't work. So I get up at like eleven o'clock, went and sat on the couch, played on my phone for a bit, and then that's good to help you go to sleep. Yeah, well, I wasn't going to go sitting out and do nothing, you know. So could read a book. Um, I had a shocking sleep. Anyway, boo-hoo, well, it's me. The next day, by, like, I was tired. And I'm not used to being tired because I'm an excellent sleeper. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And these nights... Our viewers about, know that. I might have, like, four of these a year. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting, by about 2 o'clock the afternoon, nasty thoughts started entering my mind. Right, okay. I became... Very, very irritable. Yeah. Any little thing would piss me off. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like everything was too hard. Mm-hmm. I felt like uh, I felt like I had made wrong decisions in the past. <laughs> I had all these irrational thoughts entered my mind. Yeah. I was conscious enough to say, "All right, let's not make any business decisions mm. in this state." Yeah. Just stick to my list. I write a list of things that I need to do every day. Yep. Stick to the list. Finish the list. So I know that that day I, I, I did a good job, mm-hmm. although I didn't feel that way. Yep. And then I thought, how can people function like this? Mm-hmm. Like if this, is, if this is more your constant state than a well-slept, well-rested state, mm-hmm. I could see why you'd have problems. Is is this like an interview that you're going into? Are you asking me that question? No, no. I'm just. I just want to put it out there that I, mm. because I genuinely believe. And look, for people that like, if you've got kids and you can't control it, mm. it's obviously it's harder to do. Mm. But I also think that, and I had this conversation with a new guy that started the gym. I don't think people take sleep serious enough. They don't. People just think you just rock up to bed, yeah. lie down, close your eyes, and and and, and you sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, he had put it a really interesting way. He's like, if you could pay any amount, if you could offer someone for any amount of money, like the perfect eight-hour sleep every day, like they'd pay astronomical figures yeah. for it because it's so powerful. And this this made me realise, like that experience made me really realise how valuable uh, sleep, good sleep is. Mm-hmm. But I suppose, you know, other people out there that don't, now, okay, I would even say in your case, yeah, you've, you've got two kids. My question is, have you done absolutely everything in your power to to make sure that you're getting the best version of sleep that you can get under your circumstances? Yeah, I'd say we have. Um, like, at, at the end of the day, it's interesting, like, this is sort of going to blend into something I saw during the week. There's this clip that's going around a little bit, it's gone a little bit viral, of this guy I think it's from like a Mamma Mia podcast or something like that. But there's this guy talking and... I'll never listen to Mamma Mia ever again. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, this particular guy is just saying that 
essentially what his, what his message was, was he's got like two young children at the moment, not sleeping very well. And he's, he's sort of wishing away this time, wanting it to go to the time when the kids are a little bit older and things are a little bit easier. Right. And he was, I don't know, talking to someone about it. I think it was his nanny or something. And, oh, that's right. So he's, his nanny who comes to take care of the two, oh, he's got three kids, takes care of two older kids. She comes over in the morning and he asks her how her morning was. And she goes, yeah, it's been great. Like I got up, I went for a run and then I caught up, had coffee with friends and now I've come to work and all, all done before mm. eight o'clock. And he's like, well, you know, oh, how good would that be? Like, I can't believe that there's people out there that get to do those things before eight o'clock. Like, I, I wish that mm. I could I could be doing that. And then she, I don't know, handed him some book or something. It's like, you need to read this. And the book was basically something on the lines of like, you know, what chapter is your life in? And I was going to, sorry, I had a really dark joke. You can say it. Well, the book was written by Pol Pot, which is the Killing Fields. Like, you don't really need your babies. You can just get rid of them and then sleep. Right. You, you still have some lingering dark <laughs> thoughts from that one yeah, night yeah. of no sleep. Anyway. Uh, it's easier to make anti-kid jokes when you're not a parent. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and sometimes to do it. Yeah. So, so I'll pick up Sometimes the it's encouraged. Yeah. But... I actually found this point really interesting because it's something that I've grappled with a little bit over the last three years because there's times when, you know, the sleep thing is one part, but a lot of it is things like, you know, your your career gets put on hold when, mm-hmm. when you have young children because you, you have to invest so much time in them. So with everything in life, something's got to give. But I do feel like that's something that people in general they they could benefit from looking at their life as a series of chapters and saying, what chapter am I in now? So the way that he put it, mm. he goes, I've, I've rewired my brain to say, like, I went back through every other phase of my life and I called them different chapters and then now I'm in the caregiving chapter. Yeah. So because the kids are young, they require so much care, that's the chapter I'm in now. And then one day in four or five years, that caregiving chapter is going to be over and he'll be lamenting the fact that he's not in it anymore. And he's like, why don't the kids say they love me anymore? Why don't they give me cuddles first thing in the morning? All that it's, sort of stuff. It's a very yogi sentiment, which is like be in be in the moment, be in the pain. Like yeah, if, be it, if present. it is painful, like be, yeah, be really present in that in that thing. But it's yeah, interesting um, putting it into into segments. But mm. my my big my big uh piece of advice for people out there if you're not getting high quality sleep Mm -hmm. please do something about it yeah because if that and look mine was maybe an extreme case i don't remember being like this but i don't know maybe if i'm being more present or maybe i'm being more um in tune with my body and my mind but nothing good would have happened if i'd made any decisions Mm. uh under those circumstances. Yeah. And I, I am someone that I think a lot. I have a lot of stuff on the go mm-hmm. as, as much as I joke about. Like, I mean, my business doesn't take a lot of a lot of uh, um, um, effort, but I've got many other things yeah. on the go at the same time. And it requires a lot of deep thought. Mm-hmm. And I literally was probably, I was running at 5% yeah, of, my, yeah. of my capability yeah. and really irritable. Like I could have, I could have quite easily got in an argument with someone for nothing, for nothing, mm-hmm. you know, anything would have set me off. Yeah. The list helped. Because mm-hmm. it sort of brings some structure when your brain, you can't rely on your brain. You can rely on the piece of paper that brought some structure. And in your life. I had to do it sometimes. I'm like, cause I, I felt like I hadn't achieved anything. I was like, Oh, and I'm really agitated. Just go back, sit at my desk, mm-hmm. open the book up. Okay. No, I've got to do this. All right, this is the next thing. Focus on this next task. Be present in that task. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, high quality sleep is is very, very, very important. Definitely. And I think it's something that can cascade into a series of poor decision-making choices if you don't get it. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think a lot of people... You're right. Like, a lot of people, especially younger people, when they don't necessarily think that they need it, but it'll be things like you'll go out partying and drinking all night, so you have poor sleep and then you wake up in the morning and then it's like, oh, I feel like garbage. So I need the sugary energy yeah. drink, which then you crash off an hour later. Okay, I need something else. And it just starts off this like series of, of poor choices. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that uh, Amanda and I have attempted to do in the last three years since we started having kids is, okay, the sleep thing is not something that we can rely on every single night. 
and we do our best to get as much sleep as we possibly can. But what are things that we can do outside of that to to make things easier in our bodies? Okay, we can eat better food. We yeah. can, you know, we can try to get out and exercise when we when we can. Like, I mean, I switched careers, so instead of being in an office, I was outside. Yeah. I literally did it because I'm like, okay, my body is suffering at the moment, and I'm mentally suffering because of it. So I could throw myself and chase money like I did before, work long hours and be unhealthy, or I could throw myself outside, take a big hit to like financially, but I'll have enough to survive and I'll physically and mentally feel yeah. better. And I'm really glad that I did it because yeah, um, yeah. I do physically feel the best I've felt in a long time since, ever since I got my uh, knee surgery, yeah, yeah. really. So that's five years ago, was it? 2022? Four years ago, I got yeah. my knee surgery. So yeah, anyway, really good advice. Uh, big things I took out of yours get quality sleep but if you don't get quality sleep don't make any big decisions after that yeah have some make sure you have some structure and and don't like if you know that you're running at 5% don't although you might you know with your partner you might have something that you've been wanting to address and you might think that's Mm. the time that's not the time yeah that's not the time because you're not thinking right therefore Mm. you're never going to get never going to resolve anything if you try to do it in that state yeah. and if they haven't slept either you're dealing with someone who's run on five percent too and they're just going to be chippy as well and some of my tips on on how to because i think i i respect sleep a lot mm-hmm. like i said i have a set time that i go to bed mm-hmm. i dim the lights as the and i don't have light dimmers i'm not fancy but like there's less light as the night goes on after dinner you'll turn different lights off yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so it gets it gets darker and darker I don't check emails before I go to bed. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Right. And if you're a boss that sends emails after work hours, just stop it. Or you can send them, but don't... But make sure you tell your staff, like, don't open this. Like, because you... I think it's fair to say, okay, I, there's something I need to get out of here because I've mm. just thought of it. Send it out there, but don't expect your staff to address those at those times. Well, send, send them if they're nice. Don't send them if they're mean. I would say send whatever you want to send, but empower your people to say you do not, like you work between eight and five, that's when you can check your emails. But there will be emails sitting there late because that's how I operate. Mm. So for us both to to, to get along, I'm going to spray some stuff. You don't have to read it. Okay. That's, you know, separate your your inboxes. Like that's what I've got. I've got a work, I've got a work inbox, Mm. I've got a personal inbox. Yeah, that's smart. um, To to try and partition some of that stuff. But Mm. yeah, it's, it's, uh, oh, make your bed. Make your mm-hmm. bed. Like, I know it sounds... It sounds trivial, but a getting in a made bed feels better than getting in an unmade bed. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And also, you. I think you're... You know, any, any um, therapist out there or psychologist might be able to sort of articulate this better than me, but I think a part of the ritual of like when you wake up and making your bed mm-hmm. in your Can mind. Can you do this in Jordan Peterson's accent, please? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, when, when, you, when, you've, when you're when you making your bed, you've almost said, okay, I'm leaving this now. Like I'm starting my day. And mm. just like when you go to bed and you say, okay, I'm unmaking this bed now for me to now be in that yeah, yeah. in that bed. I think, I, I, I bet there is some. Well, it's funny too, because like, and this is something that I've only really become mindful of since having kids is they always tell you when you're trying to get kids to go to sleep at night, you have a routine. Mm. And the routine is literally what tells the kids it's time for bed. And the routine might be uh, bath, bottle, and then put them in the bed. But then there'll be other things too, like you'll, we have a noise machine, just plays like white noise, which drowns out some of the noise that we make when we're still up. But obviously that then becomes a trigger to, I hear that white noise, okay, it's bedtime. And I think we as adults think we're way more sophisticated than we actually are. Mm. And what you will find is that we've all got triggers, but more often than not, as we get older, these triggers become negatives rather than positives. So what I'm what I'm saying is like you might I don't know it gets to three o'clock in the afternoon and you go oh it's you know it's it's that time I need to go and have my coffee because you just and you yeah. don't really need it but it's just a a, a process or sure. a, a schedule so to speak that you built in um, and I think that that's one of the things that Jordan Peterson talks about all the time is making your bed in the morning and really the one of the reasons why that is is to get your day started off to a positive start where you've already completed a task first thing in the morning yeah because you know what it's like when you've got your to-do list 
if you tick an item off early in the day, it gives you this little dopamine hit and then you go on to the next one and then you tick that off. And then next thing you know, as you tick off all these little items, you start to have a really productive day. Yep. And then at the end of the day, guess what? It's really easy to get into bed when you're like, man, I, I did really well today. I that, feel really good. That's the big thing. Sometimes my day here, only like my list has three items on it. Yeah. And you'd be amazed at how easily you can procrastinate around those oh, yeah. three things. Mm-hmm. But when you do them and you go, look, I had a quiet day today, but I got everything done that I was supposed to get done. Yep then that's a good day. That's a successful day. Yeah. That's right. But if you get to three o'clock in the afternoon and those three items are still staring at you on your list because you haven't done anything, well, then you start getting that psychological weight put on yeah. top of you. And then how do you think you're going to go to sleep that night when maybe you've rushed through one of these items before the end of the day, so you haven't done it to the best of your ability, you think someone might hold you accountable for it, there's still two things on your list, and then you're like, shit, when I roll into work tomorrow, I'm going to have those three things plus the next five things are on the list. And all of a sudden, that's when the thoughts start going around your brain and you don't get a good sleep. And then guess what? You wake up in the morning, you don't make your bed because you feel too tired and you you feel justified in not doing it. And you're like, oh, I need an energy boost. So I'm going to go and grab an energy drink. And then... I'll tell you this. The people that say they're the busiest are the people that get the less, the least amount of yeah. stuff done. Yeah, I, I agree because with that Because busyness is a... Uh, busyness is a... An excuse... Yeah. To not produce... Mm-hmm. and it just comes to structure. The amount of salespeople that I've had, they're like, man, oh, like, I was just so busy today. I'm like, what did you do? Like, mm. tell me what you did for the day. Yeah. And they can't tell you, can't recall. Yeah, that's right. And I'm like... So how do you know you were busy? I can tell you what you've done mm. because I've watched and I've observed and I've written it down. Right? Yeah, yeah, And you haven't done much. You yeah. did four things today. Mm-hmm. But your mind is saying that, oh, you did 50 things. You just can't name any of them. Yeah. Right? yeah. So if you actually quantify and break up... And, and segment the, the, the parts that you need to do. Hmm. When I was, when I was um, managing a big team, one of the things I'd do is I'd make sure I'd get the team started first. Yeah. Right? So I'd have a list of things, but any, any, uh, any item that someone else was going to do or was mm-hmm. going to be delegated to someone else, those are the things that I would do first to make sure that they, they get going. Yeah. And then started um, off productive. Yeah. yeah. And obviously stuff's going to change throughout the day. But when someone gives you another job, be disciplined into writing it down. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll put it on the list. I'll put it on the list. I'll yeah. put it on the list. And, and you've got to think, every single day, if you go to work, if you work for someone, if you run your own business, every single day, it is a choice whether to be productive or not. Yeah. You're still at work. You can choose to be productive at work or you can choose not to. And a lot of people get a bit jaded with their workplaces and they're like, oh, I'm doing all this work and like they're making all the money out of it. Okay, if that's your mentality, number one, you, you're wasting your time at that job anyway because it's not fulfilling you. You're not feeling good. Number two, you know what? If you just drop that mentality for five minutes and go, okay, every single day I come to work, I'm going to, and you can't be on 100% of the time. Anyone who's like, oh, I'm going to be 100% engaged the whole work day, that's bullshit. Yeah. But if you at least go, okay, I start work at 9 a.m. From 9 till 10.30, I'm going to be locked in. And I've got to have a to-do list that I'd written for myself the night before. And I'm going to start smashing that list. And all I'm going to focus on is that 9 till 10.30 block. That's me. You will find it remarkable how that 10.30 will roll around. You've smashed it. So you're feeling good. And that will roll on throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. But if, you, if you're walking into work every morning going, you're not going to do anything. You're just going to feel like shit. Everyone's going to think you're an asshole because you're not doing any work because you're that guy who just shows up and doesn't put in. Do you know who that guy is too? That ties into the first conversation. That's mm. the guy that rolls in with the two energy drinks in, in, yeah, his, in, in their yeah. hands and says, oh, I didn't sleep well last night. But it's like, this is every night. Yeah. You know? And How many guys do we work with in dealerships who used to drink two energy drinks for breakfast at their desk? Yeah. How productive were those guys? Uh, and all depressed. Yeah. It was a direct, like if you, the, the person with two cans of energy drinks that were done before nine o'clock mm-hmm. were, were probably clinically depressed. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that was an interesting uh, beginning to the conversation. Speaking about who's about to be depressed. Yeah. In, we, in 90 odd days or 80 days. Oh, either he will be or we all will be. Yeah. Um, we wanted to talk about uh, an interesting development from Victoria, which is I cook foods former founder and CEO, Ian Cook, running against Daniel Andrews in the upcoming election in his home seat of Mulgrave. Uh, 
Now, for a bit of a, a refresher for any of you, uh, I, uh, Ian Cook, he was the owner of a company called I Cook Foods. We did an episode on this called Sluggate, if you'd like to go back and listen to that episode to get a full rundown of what the scandal was. Also, go to you could go to sluggate.com, I think is the... Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but to give you, you the really short version, essentially, I Cook Foods was a business that supplied uh, high-quality food to aged care homes, because obviously a lot of people have like can't chew foods normally, so uh, they supplied high quality foods to aged care homes. And back, I think it was about twelve years ago, Daniel Andrews, when he was the health minister, and I believe it was Brett Sutton, yep. they actually started a rival business in the same industry called Community Chef, which obviously, being a government entity, got a whole host of government funding, and then they started. Academically picking off a lot of the other smaller competitors until there was only those two businesses left. And essentially a slug was found at the uh, iCook Foods factory, which caused that to be shut down by Brett Sutton, who now was the health minister underneath Daniel Andrews when he was premier. And whilst that business was shut down, they went around and spoke to all of the aged care homes that iCook Foods was supplying saying, hey, they've been shut down for a health breach, but we can supply you. They lost all their contracts and the company essentially folded. So this is all going through. But also, also, that company never made a profit. Yeah, the government company. Never- the government company never made a profit. It was, And obviously the, uh, the, the family one, uh, iCook Foods, was a profitable company for years, right. and years and years and years yep. and years. And the government one was getting $8 million a year, was losing $8 million a year. Something like that. They lost an obscene amount of money. I can't remember all the figures off the top of my head. But essentially, what what is being alleged by Ian Cook, and this is still going through court, and ironically, the case was supposed to be heard in February, but the government, as in the Victorian taxpayers' tax dollars, have been spending an absorbent amount on delaying tactics because they they don't want this thing to go through court before the election. Mm. And they've succeeded because now they're not going to be heard until after the November election. Um, but essentially what uh, Ian Cook is alleging is what their plan was, because a lot of money went missing from Community Chef. Mm-hmm. And what they are saying is that if I Cook Foods folded and Community Chef was the last business available that supplied that service that the government would designate them as an essential business, which means they basically get government funding forever because they're the only company that was supplying these aged care homes with this food. So it appears at face value, allegedly all the caveats, that Dan Andrews and Brett Sutton were trying to take out all the competition so that Community Chef would get government funding forever and they're funneling money out of it some way. That's what the the allegation is, and that's going through court at the moment. So I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to refute, knock out, or like you would have to be really, really, really inept to be able to have an industry where you knock out all your competition that was profitable to then lose money. Yeah, but which means the money is, is being taken. This is pilfered. the government, bro. It is being sucked out of it, mm-hmm. and. It's not going to look good in court. But, well, of course not, but like... Oh, and the slug was doctored too, by the way. The slug was well, allegedly... It's not that the slug was doctored. The slug it appeared to have been planted because they had it, like, analysed, and it's like a slug that's not from the local area. It never could have reached the part of the factory that it was in because they chemical wash the floors every night. Yeah. So, if anyone knows slugs, they, they absorb a lot of the nature that's around them. So... It, it never would have been able to make it that far. It just would have died as soon as it touched the floors. Yeah. Um, and anyway, there's a lot of dodginess. Go back and watch Sluggate if you want a full rundown yeah. because it's, a it's a really fat, honestly, story. it's the most fascinating story that you've never heard of. Now, Ian Cook's doing the rounds. I'll get Jason to run through what the the interesting uh, discoveries that, mm. that he's he's since found about running. But one of the, his campaign policy, uh, not policy, his campaign slogan, slogan is... Is it's not about left, left right. versus right. It's about it's about right versus wrong. Yeah. And he's kind of come out and said, "Get me in. We'll get rid of all the all the corruption." And successful business owner, he he'll know what yeah uh, what what corruption is. He'll know how to do things properly. And not a politician. Yeah. Um, and then you can then after after it's all clean, then get the politicians back in, yeah, so they can 
Yeah, he, he was even saying that he... Because he's running as an independent. And he was saying he doesn't care if you vote for him. And he doesn't even care if the Labour Party gets back in. He just... He goes, you just cannot vote back in Daniel Andrews. And I was talking to you about this during the week. And I actually spoke to my old band about it as well. When you really look back at all of the scandals that Dan Andrews has been involved in... Like, he looks like a dweeby loser. Yeah. The dude's a gangster. Like, it's it's like Mafia Don behaviour. Absolutely. So, just to just to throw it out there a little bit, you've got the... Obviously, Slugate was one. So, literally looking at trying to create a government-funded business that him and his boys could siphon money out of forever. So, that's one thing. You've got the Red Shirts wrought. So, the Red Shirts wrought was when they essentially stole $388,000 worth of taxpayer money to use for political campaigning, which they weren't supposed to. They got caught out. All they he had to do was pay the money back and say sorry. Yeah. But he's still Premier. If, if you stole $388,000 from taxpayers, you'd be in prison, right? Yeah. Then you've got... What else is there? Uh, there's the scandals with, like, the... The rail link. Well, yeah, the... Um, what's it called? Suburban Rail Link or yeah. whatever it is, which the the costs on that have completely blown out astronomically. Yeah. And the the big whenever you're looking at stuff like that with projects, you have to understand Dan Andrews and the Labor Party's close ties with unions. It's all union profiteering. Yeah. And it like they he creates projects which he says will be worth one thing and they completely blow out because it's only union workers that can go there and the union bosses they all profit out of it. And, and then what's the benefit of having wealthy unions? Well, it's funny that you say that, Alex. <laughs> so the thing that uh, I found fascinating about... Uh, so Ian Cook, I listened to him. He was on Andrew Bogut's podcast, Rogue Bogues, recently. Because Bogut's been following the Slugate saga since the beginning. He got me onto it. Yeah. And one of the fascinating things that Ian Cook said was he has realised why so many either independents or political parties in Victoria fail so quickly. It's because they don't realise what the donation laws are before they actually uh, start the party. And then that's why they fold really quickly afterwards when they realise that how stringent they are. And what is interesting is that uh, Daniel Andrews only changed these laws back in 2018. So when he got re-elected in 2017, after that happened, the Victorian Auditor General came out, and you guys might remember hearing about this, this is another scandal, and said that there was two political ad campaigns that the Victorian government had run, which you're allowed to use, as a, as a government, you're allowed to use taxpayer money to run ad campaigns if they're for information or education. Right. For example, uh, like the, the COVID mitigation stuff. You can pay advertisers to go, you know, wear a mask, stay at home. That stuff's fine because it's not political in nature, at least not at face value. But what, what Dan Andrews had done was he'd run these campaigns where he was essentially rubbishing the federal liberal government and saying the Victorian Labor government will do better on a certain range of subjects. So what the Auditor General had come out and said is that any reasonable person watching those ads would say federal liberal bad, Victorian Labor good, therefore it's actually political advertising, so just done in a sneaky way. And these ad campaigns came to a total of $13 million. So, again, gets caught misusing public funds for his own campaigning. Nothing happened. Then you had uh, hotel quarantine. That debacle, right? Everyone, well, not everyone forgets about it, but right at the beginning of the pandemic, he decided to hire private security firms with no experience in disease uh, mitigation or anything like that. And then they were the ones who were playing hide the sausage, which is directly associated with the first something like, I think it was about 800 deaths at the beginning of the pandy in 2020 in Victoria. Uh, And when when he had to front all of these, I don't know, tribunals, whatever they were, what was his tagline? Oh, I can't recall. I can't recall. And anyone who knows anything about Victorian politics knows every single decision that's made in that state runs through his office. He knows everything that's going on. Yeah, if you don't tow the Labor Party line, you get ousted. Mm -hmm. So anyway, these are all these these scandals that he's done. But this is this is brilliant. The donation rules that were changed. So after that Auditor General came, thing came out, and this is like a typical leftist communist approach to uh, to laws, which is he brought them out under the guise of 
oh, for transparency and to protect the public so they know where the money's coming from, he changed the donation laws. And what Ian Cook is talking about is these are the new laws as of 2018. Uh, you can only donate a maximum of $4,320 to any political party or figure over a four-year election cycle. So $4,320 max. If you donate over that, so they have to, like if you're running for a campaign, you have to set up a separate account so it can be audited. If you donate over that, so say someone drops five grand in your account, that gets fined by the Victorian Electoral Commission, but they double it. So if someone drops five grand in your account, they'll fine you $10,000, right? So there's this massive disincentive. And if you get caught trying to take multiple donations of smaller amounts from people, it's like 10 years in prison, Mm. right? So it's a big deal. If you want to remain anonymous, because if you donate that, that maximum amount, you go on a register, a public transparent register, Mm. which sounds like a really good thing if if you're anti-corruption, right? However, when Dan Andrews gets re-elected, he can go and look at that public register and go, oh, all these people donated money to my political enemies. Oh, do we have a government contract with that person? Oh, Alex, he's gone. Yeah. Right? It's like a literally, it's a hit list that he can well, then also run set through. a precedent to like start another business again, which is what happened to iCook Foods. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So, so there's but, that. And 4,300 bucks doesn't... It's chicken shit. It's nothing, right? You can't, you can't do a Facebook campaign for four grand. Well, think about it. He, Dan Andrews spent $13 million of taxpayer money on two ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It, it's big, big money if you want to actually campaign. So a lot of these people... Like, and, and I know that Ian Cook is self-funding for the majority. Sure. Anyway, if you want to stay anonymous, you can only donate a maximum of $1,080. Right. Right? So in other words, it's, it's set up so that anyone who wants to oppose him in an election can only do so on chicken shit donation money. But here's the kicker. There are exemptions. And the exemptions cover affiliates. So if you are an affiliate group, such as the trade union, you can donate as much as you like. Now, I've actually looked up, here's the, um, so on uh, the Victorian Electoral Commission website, so the vec.vic.gov.au, under political donations, I'm just going to read it out for you so you know the exact language. So banned donations. These donations are not allowed. Foreign donations... I, I, I'm cool with that. Anonymous donations of $1,080 or more. Multiple donations from a single donor to a single recipient, which in total exceed the general donation cap of $4,320 in the four years between state elections. Donations to more than six third-party campaigners in the four years between state elections. So they That's actually, a weird one. Well, that's a, I'm trying to stack the deck one. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, if, you, if you're a business person who had your business shut down over the last two years, who's like, I just want him out, I'm going to donate to as many people as I can to try to get someone to yeah. get him out, you can't do that. Disclosure rules at a glance. If you make or receive a political donation of 1080 or more, you must disclose it using our online system, VEC Disclosures. You must do this within 21 days of the donation. Small contributions under $54 do not count towards the $4,320 general donation cap. It is an offence to make or receive multiple small contributions to deliberately avoid the disclosure threshold or general donation cap. You must open and maintain a dedicated state campaign account if you're likely to make or receive political donations. So that's interesting. You have to open a new account if you want to make donations. That's interesting. Yeah. You must provide an annual return to uh, us each financial year that you receive political donations. This must cover all political donations, expenditure, and debts. Fair call. What is political donation? A political donation is any gift made to... So, again, specific wording, gift. So that could potentially not be money. Uh, Political parties registered in Victoria, candidates Victorian, blah, 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 blah. Gifts include money, services, including paid labour. So remember how I was saying that one of the things that concern me about Ian Cook's appearance on Andrew Bogart's podcast is that they might come back afterwards and go, oh, that gave you X amount of exposure, therefore that's a gift. Oh, that's over the threshold. You go to prison. Yes, we are unpaid. Yeah. Uh, loans, guarantees, property, including a loan of assets. Uh, gifts do not include gifts made in a private capacity for personal use. Annual subscriptions to political parties registered in Victoria. So, so hear that? So a gift, if, you're, if you are a member of the Victorian Labor Party, that money, that's not included, mm. right? Uh, 
annual affiliation fees to political parties registered in Victoria. So affiliation fees, that is your trade union fees. Well, what, does it have the definition of affiliates? Because uh, I'm thinking of a workaround. Uh, I don't believe it does. But, but affiliates are essentially the unions. Mm, yeah, the, that's not... Um, that's not accurate what? enough. Because um, I'm wondering if a DAO could help Ian Cook. If a what? A DAO, a decentralised autonomous organisation that is effectively a way to group, fund, group, source, using smart contracts that no one's actually in charge of. Yeah, I don't Nothing know. but in the code. And that's why I need to know what an affiliate is. Because if you could start an affiliate organisation, if the DAO could be classed as a yeah. affiliate, then there there is a way that you could raise money that ticks all of those boxes, provided the DAO does not receive funds from overseas. Yeah. Yeah, look, maybe that's possible. Now, that there is only like 90 days until the election, so it's obviously not going to get set up in the meantime. But anyway, the 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 basis of, of that is that in 2018, Dan Andrews changed the rules to essentially mean that he can take as much money from the unions as he wants, he can take as much money from membership fees for his own, the Labor Party, as he wants, and he is stacking the deck against any opposition being able to... Uh, take donations to to take him on. It's it's gangster. It is absolutely gangster. Yeah. It is yeah, he is Dan the Don. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, Don Don Andrews. Yeah. It, look it's it's impressive that ever all these things, all these scandals that hit him just roll off his back. Yeah, he doesn't care. And and like this is just this is the stuff that's already hit him. Then there's like all the stories about him and we've mentioned this before uh, he was directly involved with with the um, the firefighters union, where they were run by a board, and he essentially got the entire board fired and replaced by one guy, which is his mate, and like that's being investigated yeah. at the moment. There's the it, I think three the times he's been questioned by IBAC privately. Like for some reason, he's the only one who's allowed to be questioned in private. Yeah. Uh, in the last year. And that no one even knew about. What was the one where his comment about it was like, the, he, he's entitled to his opinion? That was the Auditor General. So when the yeah. Auditor General came out and said he misused $13 million worth of taxpayer money, Dan's response to that was literally, yeah, well, that's his opinion. And that's where it stopped. Like, what's the point of having an Auditor General if they find this sort of misconduct and nothing happens? But it's cartel conduct. Look at what the Victorian police did under his rule during the pandemic. You know... Shooting rubber bullets at people and all that sort of, like, you know, stamping out the protesters. Yeah. It, like, look at how quickly the police showed up at the, um, the construction union's headquarters when there was the protest out the front of it. Yeah. Like, they, they were like his, his Gestapo. Like, he had his own police force yeah. to rule with an iron fist. So, as no, much... the most striking, I think, uh, Victorian police story is the, was it an AFL game and the nurses protest they were on the same day oh yeah yeah and the nurses protest were they a silent protest where they're all masked up sitting yeah, down with, with signs. signs they got broken up mm-hmm. because they weren't social distancing yeah and the football players uh, sorry the football fans got to walk out of the stadium no masks on yeah like hugging yeah. each other cheering yeah Nothing I think it was happened. like the grand final or something, if yeah. I remember it correctly. But yeah, but don't forget that the health advice was that if the ball got kicked into the crowd, don't touch the ball. Don't touch the ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got monkey pop. But yeah, like uh, getting back to the point, I guess, if you do live in Victoria and you are unhappy with the state of things, uh, look, even if you're a Labour supporter, like Ian Cook said, he goes, I don't care if Labour still gets re-elected. That's perfectly fine with me. But Dan Andrews has got to go because he is the key figure. He's Australia's longest running premier. And I feel like we, we've said before that, you know, people are as honest or as corrupt as their opportunities, mm. right? And I just wonder if the reason why he's got so many of these corruption scandals is purely because he's had the longest amount of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Obviously, we followed stuff that was happening in New South Wales very closely during the pandy too, but Gladys Berejiklian got got 
she left, right? So we can't chase her up anymore for all the corrupt things that she, well, her and John Barilaro did. There was plenty of corruption there too. So this isn't like an anti-labor thing. This is an anti-long-term uh, government control thing because unfortunately, over years and years and years, they will get given many opportunities to be corrupt and they will start taking them. But we- labor is Dan Andrews though. In Victoria. In Victoria, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Which means you can't have a Labor, you can't have a Labor state government without Dan Andrews. It, he will not allow it. Well, if he if the people exercise their democratic right to vote him out of his seat, he can't. He can't be the leader. Now, he'll be running that that state by proxy. Yeah. So he'll be invited to all the meetings, left off the minutes. Like he'll be telling everyone what to do, so he can still like. And that's part of the problem with this deeply entrenched corruption. He's literally stacked the deck, not only in the political donation sphere, but he's got his buddies on the insiders of the top of the trade union, the top of the police union, the top of the firefighters union. Like, if you just vote him out, it's like cutting off the head of the hydro or whatever it is, yeah. and like another one grows up, and they'll they'll tell you whatever you want to hear, but he'll still be running the show in the background. Yeah. Um, like, I, I look at... Like Anastasia Palaszczuk, for example, she's not been a premier for as long, but she's starting to get quite the rap sheet of corrupt activities yeah, behind yeah. her as well. You know, most notably the WellCamp thing that came up in Parliament again this week when they're like, uh, "Are you gonna actually tell us like what how these deals were done with these contractors to because they haven't oops they haven't disclosed how much money contractors got paid to build the thing?" Yeah. So it's like, well, they said that at the get go. It was set up to make sure that. Because they knew, we knew they were never going to get used. We spoke yep. about it here as soon as they announced it. Mm-hmm. So they knew they were never going to get That's used. Right. And you can tell they knew it was never going to get used because they made sure that no one was going to find out what they spent on it. Because right. when it was us, which they knew it was going to get us, yep. they wouldn't have to tell them. Yeah, yeah. So, look, at, at the end of the day, we just need to be hopeful that the next generation of politicians that comes through is actually people trying to do the right thing. The big appeal to me from a guy like Ian Cook is the th- same thing that appealed to me by a guy like Clive Palmer or, or Donald Trump. They're people who've been highly successful in business, who've got their own money, and yet they're always going to do things which is going to benefit the particular sector that they make their money from. I cop that. Like, and like everyone's corrupt. If, you, if you've got the power to be corrupt, you're probably going to do it like you've said before. Like, you can't really fault Dan Andrews for all of the decisions he's made because if that got thrown at your desk, you'd probably consider yeah, it too, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's a human nature thing, especially if you thought you weren't going to get caught or there wasn't going to be any ramifications. But also, uh, also, the fact that my thought train has completely lost. <laughs> it's, it's not... I, no, no. Okay, we have this weird thing Whenever those uh, business moguls come into politics, mm-hmm. we always have this easy to label, oh, they're just going to be corrupt. They're only in it for themselves. Yeah, it's an immediate distrust. Yet we just think that politicians aren't doing the same thing. Yeah. But they are. That's right. And especially if you're a career politician, like this is what does my head in. You shouldn't, there should be no such thing as a career politician. Yeah. How can, like, our system is broken. How can we have servants of the people that don't have to live in the same circumstances as the people? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So how would a minister of something know anything about that thing if they've never done that thing? Yeah, and that's something that I know that like my wife complains about all the time is when they keep handing out the education portfolio to people that have never done teaching right. before and have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. And and you're right. Like what is what is a politician? They are career, their career is based on being political. So what's being political? It's having conversations and schmoozing people and, and getting things done that you want to get done. It doesn't mean you have any experience in the areas that you're doing. So you can't even fault politicians for being politicians. It's all they know. I mean, John Barilaro, he left the he left the public sector to go into private industry and he got a job in an industry he knows nothing about. Yeah. He was an executive director of a building company he knows nothing about. Yeah, that, that's building. right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you can... You can if you if you try really hard if you apply yourself. Yep. You too can achieve if you dream, believe, achieve. <laughs> <laughs> um, this actually brings up an interesting point for me too about politics and 
Uh, I caught a really interesting clip from the ABC YouTube uh, site during the week. And it was about how this transition into battery powered and electric vehicles is going to be a potential massive financial boon for the Australian resources sector because we have a lot of the rare earth minerals required over here. So we've got lithium, we've got cobalt. Do so we have cobalt? We do. We're not well we're not using it. We're not using it at the moment. We're using Congolese. Yeah. Congolese cobalt. But this is so this is the thing. So I was listening to it and I'm like does does no one see the irony in in this? Yeah. Because they were literally saying that no, I dig up a different thing. <laughs> Well, yeah. That dug up things bad. This one's good. They're like, we're going to, like, we want to transition away from digging up oil and fossil fuels. And to do that, they were literally saying that the uh, mining of these rare earth minerals, so keyword rare, rare earth minerals. As opposed to coal, which is quite common. Yeah. uh, We'll have to more than double production to assist in this transition. Oh, it's going to be way more than double. Way, yeah. way, way, yeah. way, 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 way more. But obviously you've got to, you got to say it in terms that people will accept at the beginning. So w- the whole point of this green transition is to be more environmentally friendly. So to support being more environmentally friendly, we are advocating to dig up more than two times the environment that we dig up at the moment. But what's even worse is that the stuff that we're trying to stop digging up, we're going to keep digging up and just sell it to someone else. That's right. And uh, But no, it's because we're not using it. Yeah. We're doing the right thing, yeah. even though we're selling it. Yeah. And this is the this is the bullshit. Uh, like if so, our our government has said that we you know no more petrol and diesel cars by twenty thirty five because we want to transition away from fossil fuels. So at the moment, because yeah, okay, they're trying to do some green energy. We know that the green energy can't even support the grid that we've got at the moment. Let alone when you've got you know our population is twenty six million people. Let's say ten or let's even go fifteen million of those are probably adults who can drive. So if you've got 15 million people with an EV who have to plug it in every night to recharge it, how do you think our grid's going to go there? But at the same time, we're still more than happy to dig up the coal and sell it to China to be burnt overseas as long as we don't see it. I'm just trying to see how much energy is produced in Australia by renewables. Uh, and while you look that up, one caveat I do want to say is just because we are saying these things in regards to climate change and green energy does not mean that we don't support the production of renewable energy sources. It just makes sense to do that. Oh, for sure. For right? sure. For sure. Like, we should be taking advantage of solar. We should be taking advantage of any renewable energy opportunity that we can come up with because that just straight up makes sense. What we are saying is climate change is the emotional urgency story that we are being fed by politicians or or anyone involved in that sector to justify us having to spend more money is essentially what it comes down to. Well, I, okay, I want to throw this out there because I've had this conversation with someone. This is a this is a in, um, investing. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think. Because I don't think we can convert to um, pure EV for our road use. I don't think it makes any sense. The mm-hmm. battery tech is uh, is not there yet. Uh, the batteries only last basically 10 years. Then you have to either re- recycle what you can, which is very little, and literally bury the rest. Yeah. Um, plus, the cars are going to be... I don't think people understand if you replace every single car with a three-ton EV because mm. they all weigh more because of the battery packs. Yeah, you're going to cause like if you think Byron Bay's roads are bad. Yeah, that's right. Right now, put make every car three-ton. Yeah. and then see how they hold up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't generate enough. Um, we don't generate. Sorry, we won't have enough generation currently for the amount of load that you're going to bring to the to the grid well, when, you, just when you convert everything. Remember just when winter started, there was brownouts no, 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 no. on the East Coast. That's, but that's why oh, I discussed that. That's not a generation issue. That was a market issue. There yeah, was, but they those, turned the generators off. Yeah, I know. But that those market issues don't go away. No, but they can. They yeah, can. But, yeah, but... And, and England, England and Germany, they're about to go and switch it off. They're going to switch the problem off when we start. they start taking Russian natural gas because UK... 
I'd, I'd heard stories about it, but I got confirmation from a friend who uh, lives over there. Yeah. Their power has tripled in price. Yeah, in cost, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've actually, I heard something interesting that they've, so in England, they've got a cap that electricity companies are allowed to charge you for that Same energy deal. per year. Do we have a cap? That's what caused the, that's what caused the brownouts. They switched off because they reached the cap and instead of selling it at a loss, they just turned them off. Right. That's why we had brownouts. Okay, yeah, because they tripled the cap in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, so that's not the future. Uh, from, even from practicality-wise, too, you, these EVs, because of the battery tech, still aren't, still aren't going to suit a lot of people's driving, yeah. right? Uh, a lot of people, you know, if you live in a, an apartment, for example, mm-hmm. where's your electricity, like, where are you going to plug your car that's in? That's right. Not enough fast charges. And then I'm also thinking... Okay, how comes all these new service stations are opening up? Mm. Okay, if you're if you if they're going to be ironed out in the next ten years, yep. you need to make like those businesses aren't profitable enough. Like you don't set up a business that's going to go bust in ten years. Yeah, yeah, right. You want one that goes for twenty or thirty, right? Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense. So there's something else going on. And then I remember Toyota. When I was working for Toyota in 2010, mm-hmm. everyone was driving diesel. Yeah. Toyota said we're not doing diesel. Hybrid's the answer. Mm-hmm. Okay, turns out that every diesel manufacturer at the time was lying about their emissions. Yeah, and hybrid is now effectively the standard. Hashtag diesel go. Okay, so I think Toyota knows. Toyota's one of the largest manufacturers. They're one and two, like uh, with Volkswagen, mm-hmm. right? In terms of the most output of cars, so yeah. those guys are going to make the rules up. Mm-hmm. Toyota hasn't broken as many rules as what Volkswagen has. <laughs> so I trust Toyota more so. Yeah, Toyota's investing in. Hydro, uh, hydrogen cars, yeah, which is a hydrogen fuel cell, which you can go and pump hydrogen in, mm-hmm. uh, in this like three minutes, like you currently do with yep. petrol, and get you know six hundred kilometers or seven hundred kilometers to a tank that only emits water. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the future. Mm-hmm. That explains what, like that explains the uh, takes the stress off the grid. Mm-hmm. Moves to electric, which I think we should. Cars, cars are better electric than they are with internal combustion engines. Yep. And all you car fans out there, you're flat out wrong when you realise that an electric motor the size of like a like a, a briefcase can make 1,200 horsepower. Mm. No ICE engine will do that. Yep. So be objective and yep. understand that electricity is better. Uh, sorry, electric motor is better. Explains why the business case for all these service stations that are opening up because they could retrofit to to hydrogen. Yep. To hydrogen. The boss of Toyota told so Jap- a Japanese government said, "Hey, we're going to convert to EV by twenty thirty five. Everyone said twenty thirty five. Yeah. Countries and all over the world, including us. The boss of Toyota's like, "Calm your tits. Yeah. We can't do it. Pump the brakes. Yeah, yeah. We can't. We can't do that. Yeah. I think the money's going to be made in hydrogen. I think hydrogen powered car. I think. I think, which is which is interesting because." I think markets are always the answers, right? Mm-hmm. So we hear a narrative, the narrative being EV, 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 mm-hmm. and in the background, the real money is being made in what the future is actually going to be. Yeah, because pe- the hydrogen. people who actually know what's going on are putting all their investments into hydrogen fuel cells we- while everyone's investing in EV stuff. EV is a whole. Here's, here's the only reason why I think you may be wrong. Okay. I think that everything that you just outlined about hydrogen makes perfect sense as to why that should be mm. the future. The, the problem that I have with it is the big issue with capitalism, in my opinion, is the fact that profit motive trumps ethics more often than not. Agreed. Especially on large scale. Yeah, agreed. And I believe that some of the reasons why, you know... We, for example, haven't used like nuclear power in Australia, for example, is because it's so efficient. It's not as profitable to to produce. Well, I, I can I can refute that. The reason why that one of the big motivators is that mm-hmm. a uh, investment takes longer to extract a profit out of using nuclear. So nuclear f- factory is thirty years. Yeah. Whereas you can set up a natural gas refinery and get it profitable in twelve. Years. Yeah. So it's there's it's not as profitable to go to nuclear. To we, start with, though. yeah, short term. 
Exactly, which everyone in, in a capitalist world, we want short-term gains. We want to go to the moon, yeah. right? All the investment goes in what you're going to get a, an instant return on, like all the members of Congress, the 48 members of Congress that invested in Pfizer. Yeah. Even though the Moderna jabs are partially owned by the government, yeah. they yeah. still invested in the one that, yeah. that right? So that's why I go, because we do this stuff all the time in the West, where if you objectively look at a lot of the problems that we've got, there is a solution that could fix that problem. But we just, we don't do it. And it's usually, in my opinion, because there is more profits to be made elsewhere. And I feel like I, that would be the same with that. No, I disagree, disagree. Because profits are driven by demand. And if, the, and demand is driven by value, mm-hmm. value in monetary value or time value, yeah. the best product will win. In a capitalist society, but I because disagree. The though. best product we create the, the the product that creates the best outcomes for the consumer, the person mm-hmm. who's paying the money, yeah, is the one that will make the people the most profits, yeah, and therefore will win. Except overall. you're you're right with all that stuff. Except what what you haven't taken into consideration is who is influencing and therefore driving the demand in the consumer. No, but so, okay, I agree with you, but that wave of investment that happens now, this fake facade of EV investment mm-hmm. is getting all the, all, the, um, all the people that were going to get rich, they are milking the system, but yeah. it'll get them rich. Mm-hmm. The real product that comes beneath, when you zoom out, mm-hmm. in my opinion, will be hydrogen. Yeah, but like I said, it, you, you've just said, you've, you've sort of made my point with the whole EV thing being fake. We've driven the consumer towards thinking that EV is the answer, right? Yeah. Which you've just said it's not. Hydrogen's the answer. Yeah. But we've, the market has driven consumers to think that EV is the answer because it's the more, more profitable thing for them to do. Yeah, uh, which that's the reason why I feel like the hydrogen thing may, even though it short should term, short term, short term, yes. But what yeah. I, I'm I'm talking about what is going to be the answer. Yeah, but we don't we don't do long term, bro. No, 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 no. Long term's always done. But if you zoom in all the time, sure, there's people that are going to there's going to be some bullshit that that, that goes on. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, in 2035, we'll be driving hydrogen cars, not EVs. You really think that quickly? Yep. That's only what 13 years away. Yep. I don't think so. I, I've I've already outlined why the cars are already being the cars are already produced now. Mm-hmm. The service station, the infrastructure is already there. It's happening now, but mm-hmm. you're only responding to what you're hearing, Mm-mm. but you're not seeing it. No, 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 no. I'm I'm telling you what the world does. The world does not make the right decisions if there is more profit to be made from the wrong decisions. In the long term, it always does. No, it doesn't. How? Like, give me an example. Well, like, like you're referring to vaccines. No, I'm not. I'm referring to everything. Like, well, will you give war, me an example? war in Ukraine. That was the wrong decision to make, but the West made the decision to make that war happen because you could profit out of it. Yeah, and it, it will be over soon. It'll be over soon. Will it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. said that about Afghanistan. Twenty years yeah. later, they were still there. Yeah. So, so, the, so that Afghanistan thing is another good example of what was the right decision, what was the wrong decision. We deliberately made the wrong decision to profiteer out of it, and we, I, we will do it again. And if you don't think that they'll do it again, I think that's EVs. Naive. EVs are the EVs are the Betamac. Uh, no, are the HD player to Blu-ray, hydrogen Blu-ray. Yeah. You're probably right. I'm not. I'm not disputing on the technology front. I'm disputing you on. No, but I'm, I'm telling you, 2035 will be driving hydrogen. I'm telling right. you. That. So let's put some. What do you, What do you want to? Let's make it interesting. Let's make a bet right now because yeah. I don't think we'll be driving hydrogen by 2035. I think the uh, now. How do we? How do we define it? How do we define it? The. I would let you win that bet if. So what? What's the percentage of um, electric vehicles on the road now? In Australia. It's about to be. It's about to increase now that BYD has a car that electric is electric by forty-seven grand. vehicles percentage Australia. Because you need um, people need to learn the foibles. So in the Australian market, by the end of twenty twenty-two, so far in twenty twenty-one, eight thousand six hundred eighty-eight electric vehicles have been sold in Australia, representing one point five seven percent of the total light vehicle market. <laughs> yeah, that's how much we it's believe more in. More than that. 
What year is that? This is State of Electric Vehicles, electricvehiclecouncil.com.au. That's, that was How recent is that? By the end of 2022. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Now, this was in... This was last year, actually. So yeah. far in 2021. 1%. So, put it this way. Well, we're I not, want... Okay, we're not driving... <laughs> we won't be driving anything by 2035. Yeah, because they'll yeah. ban petrol and diesel yeah. and no one's going to have an electric car. So, I would let you win the bet if in 2035... 2% of the vehicles sold in that year were hydrogen vehicles. I would let you win that bet. But what, what if the EV sales are 3%? It doesn't matter. I'm literally saying... Oh, so you're saying hydrogen's not going to enter the equation? Yeah, it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll take that bet. Oh, what, what's it for? What do you want to put on it? No, no. What do you want to put on it? I'm fine. What do you want to put on it? Because I can match whatever you put. What you am can't I, match what, what I'm What am I going to need in 2035? Well, I'm probably going to need Auto Bros to supply me with a hydrogen vehicle. <laughs> I was going to say that could have been the thing. Like if, if there was a hydrogen car, a new in, car. in stock. Then you'll just give me that car. You won't have one in stock because they won't have been around long enough to be used. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, what do you want to put on it? Let's just put a... One Bitcoin. No. One Bitcoin in 2035 is like a million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put one Dogecoin on it, because by then, Doge is probably going to be worth 50 grand yeah, or something. Yeah, I'll take that. Alright, one Dogecoin, 2035. Uh, so, so just to confirm, 2% of the vehicles sold in 2035 have to be hydrogen vehicles yep. for you to win this bet. Yep. Alright, yeah, let's great. go. And on that great. note, we'll see you in 2035, Invest everyone. in Toyota, guys. Go, uh, buy some to- Toyota stock, help, help a brother out. Uh, just buy Dogecoin. <laughs> see ya. See ya. <laughs>